Born on America's darkest day of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes ever since. When a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young children are left behind, Tunnel to Towers pays the mortgage on the family home to lift the financial burden. For severely injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes, enabling severely injured heroes to move around their homes more independently. Through the Foundation's Homeless Veteran Program, Tunnel to Towers is providing housing and services to homeless veterans. More than 3,300 were helped last year alone. Because all veterans who honorably served, whether in peacetime or war, deserve our nation's gratitude. People who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities need your help now more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. On this episode, our friend Julie Kelly joins. She has a Substack you should definitely subscribe to. Uh, it's called Declassified with Julie Kelly. And uh, Julie, it has been a busy week. Thanks for being here. Another busy week never ends. So, But thanks, uh, as always, for having me on, Buck. So let, let's start with this one. What do you think happens... In I mean, you've been you follow the J six cases very closely, more closely for a longer period of time than anyone else I know. Um, you knew Trump was going to be indicted. You said it on our radio show a year before he was indicted, uh, roughly a year before. You said you had one hundred and ten percent certainty. What do you think happens with this Atlanta case? Like I know no one knows, but how do you see it playing out? Well, I see it playing out that special counsel Jack Smith, as I wrote on my latest Substack, the pressure is on him now because what Fannie Willis did this week in her 41 count indictment against Donald Trump and 18 others, she really delivered the goods, Buck, that the media and the Democratic Party voter base 
wants to see. They want to see very serious charges, not just against Donald Trump, but some of the most despised figures by the left, Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, Jeffrey Clark. And that's what Fannie Willis delivered in her indictment. And she was very confident in her uh, press briefing afterwards. She said that she is going to try this case, all 19 defendants together. Um, and so she's moving forward. Now contrast that with Jack Smith's it kind of looks like a paltry four count federal indictment against Donald Trump for uh, attempting to overthrow the election, uh, the government and overturn the results and then the events of January 6th. So the pressure is on Jack Smith. I've always suggested too that he would bring what's called a superseding indictment on his existing indictment, the four counts. We know that there are six co-conspirators listed in his indictment, five of whom now have been charged by Fannie Willis. But look, Jack Smith is a longtime DOJ operative. He's Democratic operative. Uh, he's got a big ego. And I doubt that he's going to let Fannie Willis, you know, who's been a DA for two and a half years, steal his thunder. So that's why I think that this indictment looms larger in the special counsel's case and uh, moving forward than than anything else politically. What do you, there's there's a, some interesting theories out there. Um and, and there's some positions people are already taking that I wanted to run through and just get your, your sense of it. And first off, um, when people say all of these trials will be delayed until after the election, trial by trial, how do you view that? I believe that that's true. I think oh. it will be nearly impossible for Jack Smith to put on both of his classified documents and January 6th trial before November. Um, and Fannie Willis, the idea that she's going to be able to try 19 defendants, including the former president, within the next six months, which is what she suggested at a press conference, just is not feasible. Uh, I think even trying to bring this case to trial in a year, this wide ranging case that involves you know, multiple states outside of her jurisdiction. There's going to be a lot of back and forth between these 19 defendants, their attorneys, and uh, the Fulton County District Attorney's Office. Do you think that the Fannie Willis uh, case in Atlanta is going to get likely moved to federal court? Um, there's some apparently some ability to move, even though it would be state charges, the federal court could oversee it. Do you have an opinion on that? This is, you know, there's a lot of theories swirling around. Right. So I've seen some suggestions about that. I believe that former chief of staff Mark Meadows has already moved to sever um, his involvement in the local case, arguing that because he was a federal employee at the time, and of course he was working in Washington, D.C., he wasn't in Georgia, uh, that this is something that should be handled by the federal courts. Now, Buck, this could be how Jack Smith could kind of swoop in and take over elements of Fannie Willis's case, especially, Buck, since I did a cursory review of the 161 overt acts that she lists in her indictment, roughly only half of them have anything to do with Georgia. I mean, she's talking about phone conversations that relate to things happening in Pennsylvania and Arizona and Michigan. It has nothing to do far outside of her prosecutorial reach. So there could be this this tension that might exist between Jack Smith and Fannie Willis's office now. Uh, some of this could give, I guess, legal uh, justification for Jack Smith for taking over parts of, uh, of Fannie Willis's indictment. So let's assume that the timeline issue is, is correct. So you think they'll all be delayed? Uh, I mean, I, I saw Alan Dershowitz said he thought all four would happen before the election. And then 24 hours later, he said, 
Well, I don't think Atlanta is going to happen before the election. So he might give it a couple of days. He might say none of them are going to happen before the, the election. Um, and to that end, what then does this just turn into very expensive legal bills and a lot of motions? And that's just what goes on between now and the election. And the idea then is if Trump wins, this all goes away effectively, right? That's, that's really, so, so is this all just for politics? If they really can't get any of these trials done, why are they bringing all these indictments? It's just, just to muddy Trump up. Is that really, you know, do you think they think that the prosecutors, that that's what this is all about? Or do they really think they're going to be able to get one of these trials, let's say, uh, in advance of the election? Well, remember, Fannie Willis is very inexperienced district attorney. She might be very politically ambitious and she was successful in bringing together what I call this movie script type indictment blow by blow of what happened, you know, between Election Day and January 6th. But that doesn't mean that she's skilled and experienced enough, no matter how tough her team is, to put something unprecedented like this together uh, before a Fulton County jury. Uh, Secondly, look at what's happening in Southern Florida, the classified documents case. Um, That trial has already been set for May of 2024, but in the interim buck, Jack Smith added a superseding indictment, which in multiple examples then further delays the trial because you added a defendant, you added charges against Donald Trump, you kind of set the speedy trial act clock back to zero. So this could be a reason why Judge Cannon um, could delay that trial even further. She may even dismiss that case entirely amid abuses of the grand jury process, which she's hinted at, because of course the entire investigation was conducted in Washington, D.C., not in Southern Florida, the alleged scene of the crime. So there's lots of problems for Jack Smith in the Southern District of Florida, and he knows it. D.C. is a little bit different. Of course, you have an Obama judge, a brazen partisan who's already made really inappropriate in-court comments that I've already reported on and will continue to do so about Donald Trump and January 6th and the 2020 election. She's extremely opinionated and biased. Uh, So we already see how she's going to help DOJ move this along. But if Jack Smith brings additional charges and and, um, co-defendants, if he brings a charge like seditious conspiracy, this will undoubtedly delay this trial deep into 2024 um, because of all of the evidence that will be involved, discovery, the hearings. They want to also classify information act protective order in the January 6th case, as well as classified documents, which also delays the process. So the bottom line is, I don't see any of these trials. Fannie Willis might try to pull it off, um, but I certainly don't see either federal trial happening before the election. So what do you think their calculation is from from their perspective? Because they could have brought either of those indictments far earlier than they did, right? So did they miscalculate? You know, do you think Jack Smith miscalculated the speed with which these indictments could actually result in a trial and possible conviction? Or was it, this was just all political anyway, and so the whole point, effectively for them, the guilt or innocence doesn't matter. It's just bringing the charge is the whole point. You know what I mean? That's right, Buck. You're exactly right. This is death by a thousand cuts. We see already how these indictments have tried to erase the emerging scandal related to Joe Biden and his family and the investigations and prosecutions that are happening there. So as soon as House Republicans or, say, that sweetheart plea deal fell apart, DOJ Jack Smith swoops in with a new case, with a superseding indictment, with some controversial motion. That is Jack Smith's um, marching orders. 
He knows this. Jack Smith worked in the Obama DOJ for four and a half years. He understands he also was involved in the monitoring of the Tea Party. He is a Democratic operative disguised as a federal prosecutor, so he wields tremendous power to either add charges, add defendants, a new indictment against the six co-conspirators he named in the January 6th. He could indict three of them, then he could indict three others. You know, he, this he could drag this out as long as he wants, and he knows that because in the January 6th case, we have Tanya Chutkin, who's going to allow him to do whatever he wants. That's the, that is the primary agenda behind the January 6th indictment by Jack Smith, is death by a thousand cuts, use this for political advantage against Trump, and also to cover up Biden family or Democratic Party scandals at the same time. I also want to ask you about the, uh, the pardon possibilities that people are talking about. We'll get to that in just a second, Julie. The artificial intelligence gold rush could soon create substantial wealth for ambitious individuals who understand this new paradigm of technology. But while everyone is focusing on ChatGPT and AI stocks like NVIDIA, something incredible is happening less than two miles from ChatGPT's headquarters. For the past few months, engineers from Google and Microsoft have been working on a little-known crypto project that could revolutionize the AI industry. You have a chance to get in on the ground floor of this project for pennies, giving you a rare chance to turn $1,000 into a six-figure nest egg. All this information is coming from Tika Tawari, the man who picked the top crypto coin six years in a row. Tika, this, uh, Tika is hosting online a free strategy session to give you all the details on his number one coin for this AI boom. Go to AIcoin2023.com. That's AIcoin2023.com, paid for by Palm Beach Research Group. So uh, do you think that the way this, so if, if Trump wins, he pardons himself from everything. And even now, possibly some are arguing the Atlanta, the Atlanta charges as well. So it doesn't even matter if he's found guilty, right? He can still pardon, pardon doesn't, um, you don't have to wait for a guilty verdict to pardon yourself. So do you think, is that the, is that the plan here? Is that how it goes? Assuming Trump wins? I mean, I think that that is the only hope uh, that he will not end up in prison is if he does win and he pardons himself uh, and everyone else involved in this, including, Buck, the more than 1,100 American citizens who have been charged mostly for misdemeanors related to January 6th. So this isn't, as you and I have talked about, you know, just about Trump and his uh, high-level associates. This is for regular Americans with no criminal record whose lives have been destroyed at the hands of this DOJ to punish them for protesting testing Joe Biden's election on January 6th. So yes, his only hope is to win and pardon himself. Otherwise, his trials will commence, especially in Washington, D.C. He will be convicted by a D.C. jury, and he will be sentenced by Judge Tanya Chutkin. Uh, and that's the really scary reality for Donald Trump if he does not win the presidency. I mean, it's, you would think that the stakes for a presidential election are high enough. And you add this to it, and and it also not even you mentioned. Well, the, there's J six defendants, people in Trump's orbit now too. Um, I, I wouldn't want to be in the shoes of say Mark Meadows or Rudy Giuliani or Sidney Powell or any of them in you know middle of November or you know early November if Biden somehow or people are going to yell at me. It's Newsom, whatever. If a Democrat wins. Um, I think that that's bad for, for a lot of people. I mean, legally speaking, I mean, I think there are a lot of people who would be in real criminal jeopardy. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, if Joe Biden or whoever the Democrat is wins, they will continue this DOJ selective prosecution. Then they really will go to trial and they really will get convictions, not just for Trump, but high level people who you just spoke of. And they will be going to prison uh, because that's an almost certainty. Look, there's there's a reason why DOJ has a near perfect conviction rate for January 6th cases in Washington, D.C., Um, You know, you get convictions, guilty verdicts and record time on absurd charges like obstruction of an official proceeding or even seditious conspiracy. And then the judges come back and ask for excessive prison sentences. I mean, they've asked for 14, 15, 18, 20 years in prison for a ridiculous, seditious conspiracy conviction, which, fuck, by the way, no American before January 6th was convicted of seditious conspiracy. This is an entirely new way to weaponize a long dormant civil war era statute against um, the you know political protesters. So the way that they're weaponizing, quickly weaponizing regular or arcane uh, statutes like seditious conspiracy or a post Enron tampering with evidence and witness felony like obstruction of an official proceeding, this is the sort of precedence that DOJ has already set and judges have given their imprimatur. So God forbid a Democrat wins again. They will only continue this uh, and who knows, add more cases and more trials and more defendants after 2025. Julie, I mean, you've been you've been very close to this um, and you've been following this very, very much for uh, the duration of the really the uh, height of the get Trump era. Right. So we could call that from 2020 to present. Um, you know, sort of the pinnacle of the multi-pronged destroy Trump uh, operation that has been run. Are you, do you ever just feel like, what the hell is going on? Like, does it, <laughs> does it ever just feel like things have just gotten so crazy that it's hard to believe that this is what's going on? Like, how do you process that? Well, thanks for that question. I actually get it uh, occasionally, and I don't, uh, yeah, sometimes I step back and think, I can't believe that we are here covering what's happening to our country in real time. I mean, these are things we just never thought that we would see in our lifetime. And not only are they unfolding before our eyes, but but happening very quickly. And the the interests who used to defend the rights, you know, of defendants, who used to call out bad behavior by du- judges and corruption by DO, by prosecutors, you know, they're now cheering and applauding it. It's really scary um, to to see this happening in real time. And what's even scarier is how we get out of it. You know, how how do we win? How do we prevail over these corrupt, vicious, vengeful, powerful interests? You know, I call these line prosecutors and judges, I've called them sadists because not only are they abusing their power, they're very gratified by inflicting pain on vulnerable individuals. This is the sort of thing we see in Marxist banana republics, and we're seeing it happen in our own nation's capital. So yeah, it's it's pretty haunting. But I think you you probably feel the same way, Buck. It just motivates you more. You know, you just yeah, well, have to keep digging in. We just got to dig in and win, right? This is dig in and win is really, I think, the, the mantra now. Um, right. And I mean that win legally, win politically, win, you know, just there. there's no the the back against the wall is I think what everybody feels here. I want to ask you about the Supreme court and that theory as well here uh, in just a second, Julie. Um, but first off for everybody at home, if you don't know about my pillow yet, I mean, you probably know about them, but you got to have a my pillow. They're amazing. My pillow has been in business for 20 years on our mission to provide the best possible value. 
MyPillow employees want to thank every one of you by giving you the lowest price in history on their famous MyPillow. They've sold 80 million pillows in 20 years' time. When you use my promo code BUCK on the website, that's MyPillow.com, promo code BUCK, you can get the king and queen size MyPillows for 50% off. So that's MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener special square. Use promo code BUCK. Get these pillows. Amazing price. The queen starts at $19.98, less than $20. Get yourself some new pillows, um, and you're going to love them. Uh, Julie, what do you make of the, you know, these are the, it's, it's almost like a choose your own adventure, but it's kind of choose your own pathway to avoid the destruction of the United States. Uh, what do you make of, don't worry, the Supreme Court is going to weigh in in each one of these cases and Trump will be like that will bail Trump out in, in each one of these cases on all four. I mean, I just don't see that happening. Uh, I mean, we saw the Supreme Court really um, very recklessly refuse to hear any of the election lawsuits that were filed, not just by Donald Trump, but in Pennsylvania, and then the lawsuit filed by Attorney Ge- uh, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. They wouldn't even give this a hearing, uh, those concerns a hearing. So I don't really see them stepping up for Donald Trump. But the flip side of that buck is that this obstruction of an official proceeding, this 1512 C2, the post-Enron tampering with evidence and witness felony, it has already made its way through the D.C. appellate court. They got what was called a splintered ruling. Uh, Now you have two defense attorneys who have filed certification at cert at the Supreme Court to have them hear uh, the the appeal and to he- vet the, the use of this novel charge against political protesters, now more than 300 individuals who have been charged with that, including the president. Um, so this is this is has a legal uh, mind of its own, per se, that especially this key charge against Donald Trump, one of the four is already potentially pending at the Supreme Court. If the Supreme Court rules, regardless of Donald Trump, the legitimacy of using that uh, tampering with evidence and witness statute against political protesters, if they do say that that the government misapplied that statute and toss it uh, against these 300 or so individuals, uh, that's a big risk for Jack Smith as well. So what happens if that happens while they're waiting for this case to go to trial, the obstruction count to go to trial? What happens if somehow he gets a conviction uh, or the very rare chance he gets a plea deal on that? That's again why, Buck, I don't think this is the end. This is the last word for Jack Smith because that's such a risky charge right now. It could go in a lot of different directions in the uh, appellate court, other cases pending at the appellate court, and then, of course, now possibly pending at the Supreme Court. But I do not see a situation where the Supreme Court, which has three Trump appointees on it, uh, two of whom have sort of gone out of their way to distance themselves from Donald Trump, where they would come in and rescue any convictions that he gets in uh, these federal cases. It's uh, it's stunning. Um, I, I just one more thing. On your point about the superseding indictment, if mm-hmm. the timelines just aren't going to work in terms of getting the, getting their cases to trial before the American people get to vote in 2024. Do you then, do you agree? Cause my thinking on this would be, well, of course there should be a J- Jack Smith should, he might as well go for insurrection at that point. Right. Right. Because then, then yeah. that becomes the narrative. It, it doesn't, right. It doesn't matter if he's going to get a conviction right. on it or not, because that's the much more powerful political hit. That's exactly right. And he really could, aside from seditious conspiracy, 
he really could take that huge gamble. What gamble would it be? That's silly. I mean, no one's going to call him out on it. The judge certainly won't. He really could go for an insurrection uh, charge or conviction, then giving the state's justification to say, well, anyone who is involved in an insurrection or rebellion uh, cannot run for public office. So he very well could do that uh, at depending on the political climate, say, you know, mid 2024. The scary part for all of this is that there are no boundaries for this Department of Justice, especially in Washington, D.C. All that, of these judges. A, yeah, I mean, Julia, not to just I, this gets me so fired up. I understand that under normal process, under under a legal system functioning the way that we're told it is, the trials would be delayed a long time. A lot of this would be thrown out on appeal. Uh, the cases would be moved. But I just feel like, I mean, they brought all four of these roughly to coincide with each other and to be in the election year. Like, it's rigged. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm looking at a rigged game. So that means it changes the outcome. Especially when you have Judge Tanya Chutkin, the Obama appointee, telling Donald Trump's lawyers, I'm going to treat him like any other defendant. Uh, He's not going to get any special protections. Oh, and by the way, if he violates the terms of his release, including any allegations of tampering with witnesses, which could include a a, a truth social post about Mike Pence, one of his Republican, um, you know, opponents in the primary, that she could sweep him up, charge him with contempt and put him in jail on a contempt charge. So this is what they're really waiting to do, at least in in that case. Um, But the idea that Tanya Chutkin, who suggested, as I posted last week in a court uh, hearing, that Donald Trump should be behind bars and charged with uh, January 6th, she said that in 2022. The idea that now she's going to be a fair, impartial, unbiased judge defending, which she's protecting, the rights of a defendant, which is part of her oath, it's just all the way absurd. And the American people are waking up to, to see, I hate to say it, what I've been watching this D.C. courthouse for two and a half years. Um, it is really just jaw-dropping, stunning, and in many ways heartbreaking to see this happening in our nation's capital. Do you think of President Trump, do you, are, are you confident that he would pardon um, all nonviolent J6 uh, pri- you know, prisoners, uh, inmates? I hope so. I think he definitely... Th- should i think that there are even those convicted of assaulting and interfering with police officers whose cases should be reconsidered too because keep in mind buck a lot of the evidence was kept away from the jury in those cases in those matters people and if they've already served time and we all saw the blm riots and all the assaults against officers that occurred there nobody was getting three four five years in federal prison for that right so yeah no, their no. charges were all dropped. They were they were dropped. And the same D.C. U.S. attorney, Matthew Graves, who's rounding up trespassers and um, demanding these exorbitant prison sentences, negotiated a settlement between BLM protesters in D.C. and Park Police and Secret Service, who they had accused of using excessive force against protesters who were burning things down and trying to scale the fences at the White House to invade the White House, and that's why Donald Trump and his family had to go in a bunker, which, of course, everyone made fun of. So the disparity there is something that Trump should definitely address, even for those who were convicted of more violent offenses on January 6th. Julie Kelly, uh, as always, uh, appreciate your time. Everyone should go subscribe to Julie's Substack. It is Declassified with Julie Kelly. Talking to you again soon, Julie. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on, Buck. Really appreciate it.
Born on America's darkest day of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes ever since. When a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young children are left behind, Tunnel to Towers pays the mortgage on the family home to lift the financial burden. For severely injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes, enabling severely injured heroes to move around their homes more independently. Through the Foundation's Homeless Veteran Program, Tunnel to Towers is providing housing and services to homeless veterans. More than 3,300 were helped last year alone. Because all veterans who honorably served, whether in peacetime or war, deserve our nation's gratitude. People who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities need your help now more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.